All right. Welcome back to the AltMed podcast. Uh, Andrew Dowling here with my co-host Mitch Kurtz for episode number six. And we are joined uh, in the very esteemed company of Lisa Nguyen of Astrid Dispensary in Chapel Street, Melbourne. How are you, Lisa? Good, thanks. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you more so in that pristine new pharmacy down there in Chapel Street? I'm dying. <laughs> dying? No, it's good. It's good. It's been good. We only launched um, three weeks ago. So today's first day of week three. So we're just finding our feet the past couple of weeks. But we've had a first few cannabis patients come through, first few cannabis prescriptions, first few cannabis orders. So it's all very exciting up here. That's amazing. I was going to say, if, if you feel like you're dying, you can probably qualify for a SAS-A approval. <laughs> Let's hope um, um, Astrid's. I'm in a hospital though. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got to eat, like um, admit myself to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Astrid has much longer than than six months to live. Uh, it's very exciting to actually be here with you in the emerging stages of what I understand is the very first sort of purpose-built dispensary. I know that um, there's a couple of other pharmacies that have also set up in the in the cannabis space, but. In terms of being able to tell people we actually have a cannabis dispensary here in Australia and it's sort of right on our doorstep here in, in Melbourne. So has it, have you had a, a lot of interest, even just people passing by the, the foot traffic on, on Chapel Street? Yeah, we've had a lot of interest. Um, unfortunately, with the regulations in Australia, I can't actually call myself you know, the first cannabis dispensary, but I can say I'm a first, the first green dispensary, which is um, another way of putting it. Um, so we're right on Chapel Street. We do have um, medical cannabis vaporizers in the window. So we get a lot of people coming in, asking lots of questions. So we want to be a space where people can come in, get their medications dispensed on the day and not have to wait. Um, a lot of the issues in Australia is like pharmacies can only order in one or two or three at a time according to what's on the prescription. And so I've figured out a way where I can stock a lot more of everyone's product and I can dispense it on the day and, on, and also ship it out to them um, nationally as well. Um, and that way patients don't have to wait. Um, people who do come in, we do a lot of education here. So a lot of my time is spent teaching patients about when cannabis was legalized in Australia, what a medical cannabis vaporizer is, what kind of products are available. So it's a lot of ongoing kind of um, relationship building with patients. Yeah, nice. And you've got, as I understand, a couple of doctors that are working on site. So yeah, how's that all going? So you've got like a, I guess, a rotating roster of doctors um, who, and have they gone through sort of cannabis specialist training or how, how is that looking? Yeah, so we have a really unique model in that. Um, so we've got um, iPads that are located downstairs in the dispensary. Um, and these are for walk-in patients and each iPad belongs to a different cannabis clinic. So a patient walks in, I do a, a screen just to see if the patient is eligible for medical cannabis. So I go through the whole medical history. And then if the patient is eligible, they can book in for a cannabis doctor via one of our iPads and they'll get a, sent, a link and then they can see the doctor virtually. The prescription will get sent to me. I can dispense it for them. Um, alternatively, upstairs, there is three consulting rooms for independent doctors. Um, they're holistic doctors slash cannabis doctors. So patients can also see them as well. So we have a booking system for them for walk-ins. Excellent. Well, it's, it's, um, I felt as though during the covid year that was 2020 that has sort of rolled into 2021 that a lot of people started to get used to telehealth 
um, and, and doing it, all of these types of things virtually. Do you have a view on your preference with that? Do you, would you prefer always that a, that a patient gets the opportunity to do a face-to-face -face consultation or are you observing any particular trends there? Because I, I just, I ask, because I know that there's a lot of um, online portals that we're seeing for cannabis where people can literally jump onto a website, book in a telehealth appointment, and it all gets done without the patient really ever sort of seeing anyone, including dispensing from the pharmacy through the just ordinary post to, to give that person their medication at home. Do you have a, a view on that? Um, it looks like telehealth is most popular. Um, so patients still prefer seeing a doctor via telehealth because most patients who walk in here are usually on the way to do something else anyway. So then it's not like they were here on purpose. Um, so they'll prefer to have a link sent to them. And the doctors who do work upstairs, those patients are already pre-booked in. So it's just um, a nice to have for someone who wants to see a doctor face-to-face. -face. Yeah, because I, um, I think one of the most important things, there's still quite a lot of confusion out there, especially in the amongst the general populace. So I think um, demystifying or like helping with that confusion will be a really um, interesting point of difference. You know, someone or somewhere in a quite central location that people can go and actually have a chat with somebody who's been in the industry for a while now, um, definitely, you know, helping a lot of patients along the way. And just on that point, it might be interesting for people to know a little bit more about your background leading up to this and how you ended up in the position you're in right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm a pharmacist by background. So I worked as, um, I started off as a community pharmacist, uh, worked my way up to working at Slade Pharmacy at Network Hospital. And then after that, I moved into industry. So working for um, a small Australian uh, pharmaceutical company that uh, specializes in medical cannabis. Um, and then I moved on to um, Canopy Growth Corporation, which is currently the world's largest uh, cannabis company. Um, and I worked as a medical science liaison. So what that means is that I went around and taught a lot of doctors um, the science behind medical cannabis and worked with a lot of things involving clinical trials as well and getting a drug registered in Australia. So on, on the front line of, sounds like you're still on the front line there, but um, front line basically pushing for the education that's, that's teaching doctors about you know, how to move from maybe some of them are stuck in a bit of an older world mentality beforehand and now you're kind of updating them. Well, actually, there is clinical data coming out that shows efficacy in X, Y, Z, anxiety or, or chronic pain, or et cetera. Yeah, it's all about um, teaching doctors the science behind medical cannabis and legitimising what cannabis means for the, the healthcare industry in Australia. Hmm. Well, and I know that um, I'm sure in that role, where you were working as a sort of medical science liaison, that you would have been given access to a lot of the, the clinical literature. Um, and I know that over the years, um, various governments have, have undertaken sort of systemic reviews of all of the cannabis literature to determine, you know, which indications, are, um, you know, there's a, where is there a strong link in terms of efficacy? I don't mean to, uh, to throw you on the spot, but, you know, what, what were some of the um, indications where you were able to say, you know, we have really good clinical data that supports um, cannabis as a, as a medical treatment? And then perhaps um, just to, to balance everything on this podcast, which what are some of the ones where perhaps the jury's still out a little bit? Yeah, um, a lot of the data out there, there isn't much RCT data. 
data, so not much robust data. Um, one of the, the big companies called GW Pharma, they've done a lot of trials in epilepsy. So there's a lot of robust data in that sense using CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of data that we've seen via the special access scheme and authorized prescriber scheme, it's not clinical data as such, but it is still, um, uh, I guess, real world data. But we've seen that chronic pain is the biggest indication that um, GPs and specialists in Australia are prescribing for and still are prescribing for. And the second biggest indication is anxiety. Um, so with chronic pain, most doctors are using either a, a high THC product or a combination product. Um, and with anxiety, most doctors are using a CBD product. But again, there is um, yet to be a company that, you know, has that data to prove these indications. And that's why um, the regulations in Australia is still via special access scheme and authorised prescriber scheme. CGW is still the only company that have that data. And that kind of data, I know there, there was actually an article in the, in the Fairfax papers over the weekend about the push towards over-the-counter and this sort of race that's on at the moment amongst uh, producers and, and manufacturers here in Australia to, to get that product. So it, when you talk about RCT and I, you know, not being from a science background, I think you, you, you're referring to randomised control tested trial data. Um, is that the standard that will be potentially required um, as part of you know, the dossier of evidence that a, a manufacturer would need to submit to the TGA in order to get their product um, sort of listed on the, the therapeutic goods register? Um, I'll have to look into the actual regulations for that. But I know that at the, at the very minimum, the TGA would want some efficacy data, so safety data, to show that a certain dose for a certain indication will achieve a certain result for mm-hmm. a patient. Um, and so to get that, you would, at the very minimum, would need um, some efficacy data. Um, so yeah. that may not be in an RCT. It could be in an observational sense um, and, and supplemented with a, um, and some efficacy to back it up. Because, mm, you know, it's, it's sort of a world that, of course, the, you know, we don't have any sort of public interface with it, but it, I can only imagine there must be a series of trials being undertaken all over the country at the moment um, in that sort of race. Is that yeah. something that you were starting to see? Um, yeah. 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 I know a lot of companies who are working <clears throat> really hard to make sure that they are on track to get a product registered to become the first company to have a CBD product that is a Schedule 3. Yeah. It's exciting. It's um, And I imagine whichever product that is, it will be... Uh, one that <laughs> will be found at Asterid Dispensary. Absolutely. <laughs> do, Interestingly, do you, oh, sorry, Mitch, you go. I was going to say, um, so we're you know, talking about chronic pain and anxiety is some of the more common indications that people um, are looking to use cannabis for. I'm just wondering, a lot of, I hear a lot of the time from people, they say, I've just, you know, I've got chronic pain, I've got anxiety, and I've been to my GP um, and they said it doesn't, there's no evidence. It doesn't like, they're not, not going to do it. They're not going to prescribe me cannabis. And a lot of people are at a loss at that point because they don't want to upset their GP by like going around them to a cannabis doctor. They're, they're very kind of in this precarious position where they kind of feel like they're almost cheating on their doctor. Um, but they, and they've, you know, they listen to their doctor for health advice and the doctor saying it's, you know, a lot of BS essentially. Um, what would be your advice to, to patients or people suffering that would 
like to try, you know, medicinal cannabis as an alternative and uh, are getting that pushback from their doctor. My advice would be to contact me at Astra Dispensary. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that very scenario, Mitch, is the, the reason why I started Astrid because working, I worked for in industry for so many years, but I realised that the gap was still patient access and patients were still having difficulty having that conversation with their normal doctor. Yeah. And so I thought if I opened a space where I, patients were safe coming to me, having that discussion where I can speak to them about um, speaking to their doctors directly, about training their doctors so I can do education with their doctors, or I can help them speak to a doctor that can help them navigate their, um, the journey to, um, to accessing medical cannabis if they're eligible. Mm. And I think even some, I, I you know, just, hearing stories from the field I you know I've come across people who believe that even if they go and see a cannabis doctor they still need their current treating doctor to sign off on it and people don't understand the level of autonomy and agency that they have over their own health affairs and it's not you know people need to um you know appreciate which is it not is that we're advocating going against the advice of one's own doctor of course no, no. Of course, but you know the the term second opinion, um, you know to, that that's sort of where it comes from. And I, I think it's it's always handy for people to be able to you know to go and, and see someone, especially someone who is a specialist holistic doctor or you know has had some training um, in these in the, these fields. Um, uh, yeah, I, I imagine there's some old school doctors out there who you know they're they're only really interested in. Um, you know, whichever company takes them on a, on an overseas conference and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe the, um, the cannabis companies need to lift their game with all of that. Well, I, I think that the problem is lack of education with the, the patients with your doctor. So often it's not that they don't want to do it. They're just afraid of doing it because they don't know enough. And so I think even if a patient goes to a cannabis doctor, it's really important for that cannabis doctor to be very transparent with the original doctor and have that line of communication open so that then everyone is involved in the treatment plan for the patient. Yeah. So so much a patient going to a cannabis doctor and that first doctor has no idea what's going on. It, it needs to be very, very transparent. And what yeah. about um, before, because I'm mindful, you know, we're, I know we spoke about this before we, we jumped on, but we would seriously love to sort of track the journey of Astrid. We're very excited about it. Um, I've got one last question for you because I know we'll um, we'll compel you to come back on for another <laughs> podcast episode, hopefully with um, with your consent and agreement. But um, I'm interested to know whether or not you're looking to branch out at other plant or holistic medicine so is astrid is the core focus cannabis but and that's it or are you looking at other potential um, integrative medicines as part of the mix so i think that astrid is going to be more of a holistic center so it won't be just cannabis even now i still can't dispense regular prescriptions i dispense a crystal today for someone's cholesterol so oh nice so I can still do all normal prescriptions. Um, and I have integrative doctors upstairs currently who do a lot of things in gut health, um, mind medicine, that sort of thing. One area that I'm really interested in is psilocybin. So I am consciously watching that space to see how the regulations change um, and hoping to eventually have 
um, like a psilocybin centre upstairs or something like that to incorporate in our services. So like a mushroom farm where people can go and sort of pick their own, is that sort of what? <laughs> um, oh, <that's> not. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, that sounds really exciting. Um, Mine's very scientific, Andrew. <laughs> Um, especially, you know, with, um, and, and we'll cover this, in, I think, in a subsequent, it's, it's slated for discussion with one of our future episodes is, is a bit of a deep dive into the global maps um, research that's being done on, on psilocybin and, and MDMA um, and the therapeutic uses of those substances. So, um, no, that's, that's awesome. Any further questions from you, Mitch, or can we let Lisa off the hook for now and, and then we'll um, save them all up for the next time? I'm glad to just do a quick introductory. Uh, I know that Lisa's got a lot on her plate at the moment. We don't want to take up too much of her time. So um, I'd love to check back in with you in a little bit and see how it's all going. But um, I think, uh, yeah, it's great to just see people leading the way and doing something different and pioneering the industry a little bit there. So, yeah, very excited for your journey. We're very excited, Lisa. And I'm still disgracefully, I have not been to Astrid yet. So perhaps we might do the next podcast episode as a trio live from, uh, from Astrid Dispensary idea actually all righty we'll lock Beautiful. that in all right well thank you so much for joining us we will yeah we'll see you at the dispensary thanks guys see ya Talk soon. Thanks, Bye.